Hey guys, welcome back to another Weird Wednesday. I'm Ashers, and this is... Hello! Hello! How was your weekend? Uh, it was alright. I uh, saw Nope with a bunch of other people across the United States. And did you end up eventually seeing it? And we kind of talked about it over this over the weekend when we did the Patreon episode, but... I did not. Did you ever get your ass at theater? Eh, so I, I, I liked some stuff, and some stuff I thought was kind of dumb. But uh, I guess hit me up on social media if you want to go in depth about it. I'm not going to do that here. <laughs> so did that. Uh, also did something that I swore that I would never do. But, um, you know, as we learned last week with the Pantera stuff, which thank you, by the way. I actually we did have audience members reach out to me to form kind of a support group in my Twitter DMs. So I want to thank the listeners that did that. Uh, one of them was was somebody that uh, was on the um clubhouse thing with you on thursday and uh it was nice it was nice they gave me some behind the scenes they had a run-in with uh, phil from pantera shed some light on the whole situation i want to say that i appreciate that i appreciate them for reaching out number one number two it looks like i will not be going to see pantera next year when they go on tour uh or if they do i won't be talking about it on social media (laughs) at all i'll have to don another persona just for oh my god uh, you know what i mean like i don't know like uh huckabee wainwright that'll be my fucking hillbilly name or something what the fuck? i don't know i'll just have to come up wainwright with... <laughs> that's what it is and uh yeah but anyway i did something i swear i'd never do uh i got my conceal and carry license so um why did you yeah. swear you would never do that because i think they're i think it's a terrible idea like i just i never i never i wouldn't i'm not gonna use it like i'm not gonna go to fucking applebee's with a gun under my shirt like that's fucking weird and uh you know there's definitely uh, the only reason i bring it up is because it was very interesting number one for the people watching uh the, the, <laughs> the kind of people that you meet in a conceal and carry class and the kind of people that teach a conceal and carry class there's definitely this rhetoric of uh paranoia uh which i think is kind of interesting you know i know that we we kind of the show goes all over the place we don't focus mainly on conspiracies but when you when you talk about people that are really into conspiracies and that kind of anti-government anti-establishment mindset the people that think that there's some kind of shift coming that's been premeditated or orchestrated or that you know all this stuff be it uh you know, they're coming to take our guns away or society's on the verge of collapse for socioeconomic reasons or whatever. Um, those are the kind of people that you need to conceal and carry class. And it was interesting just kind of the people watching expand my bubble and be around them and listen to them. And uh, I did it because it was on sale. <laughs> it was, you know, sure. I, when I when I when I first when I got my first handgun a couple of years ago, I took the intro class at the at the the place where I go to shoot, and that counts as four of my sixteen hours for my concealed and carry. So it was a matter of just going back and taking the other three classes, and it was really just two classes in a range qualifier, which I fucking smoked. But um, yeah, it was it was interesting. That's kind of how I spent the past week. I was in gun school. 12 hours and uh dealing with people that think that when uh george soros takes over the american military they're gonna stop him with a fucking nine millimeter and a shotgun you know i guess the, the greatest coalition like the greatest army mankind has ever known but you know you have a couple handguns and you're gonna you're gonna stop them so good for you bro uh so yeah that was that was a lot of this week and then um 
what else did I do? Not much. Uh, started watching The Bear, which is about Chicago beef stand. And I'm, I'm as soon as I'm done with this, I swear to Christ, I'm going to start on Hell Year Season 2. So, I know we've been <laughs> giving me shit for that for a while. That's all I got, man. Nothing crazy. I, I actually... You, I, you know what? I it, The one thing I want to talk about, because I want your advice on this, because uh, you would... You know me intimately enough to be able to comment on this. So, I, as I mentioned last week, we're gearing up for this year's 48-hour film project. Uh, it is the weekend of September 23rd through the 25th. Got tons of people. Um, we're doing really good. I mean, I I, I want to throw the invite out there just because um, you never know who's going to show up or who's going to be interested. But if you want to see what it's like to make a movie in 48 hours, hit me up. If you're in Chicago or you're going to be in Chicago that weekend or you want to come to Chicago that weekend, Hit me up on social media. We'll make it happen. We'll find something for you to do. Um, but we're doing really good. We got a huge cast. I got all the, we got an editor. We got a cinematographer. Everything's all good. Um, we have locations. We're going to shoot at a metaphysical store, which is like a witch store. So that'll be mm-hmm. neat. Um, and I was talking with one of the uh, people that actually helped me get the witch store location. And she also helped me uh secure one of the bars that we have the ability to film at because the thing with the 48 hour film is you never know what you're going to make until friday night so in advance you try to line up all these locations and all these actors and then when friday comes you say okay we're going to use these two locations and these seven actors right but going into it you need to have the biggest like reserve possible so uh, i was talking to this person about you know, did you secure the locations? Did you talk to the owners? Do I need to talk to the owners? What needs to happen? And I've been going back and forth with this person for like two weeks. And finally, she fucking snapped on me on Saturday and was like, you're really fucking high strong. And I was like, what are you talking about? She's like, I, for a creative person, you're really high strung and neurotic. You need to chill the fuck out. And, um, I don't know. Do you think I am? We work together pretty Uh regularly. Yes, I agree. But, um, you know, but it's not a problem. You're not an asshole about it. At least you haven't been to me, and maybe it's because it's me. I don't know. Um, or at yes, least you, never... you get special treatment. We'll just say that. Yeah, you always get special treatment. Well, I don't know. You know, maybe I don't, and maybe you're just not an asshole about it. I, you know, I'm just saying, in my experience, like, you've never been, like, a dickhead about it. Um, it's not a bad thing because you get shit done I, you know i was just talking to somebody over the weekend about like okay so I, i've got sad news the sad news is that i i'm probably not going to go to cryptid bash and it breaks my heart it really does but it's my own fucking fault because i didn't plan for it and now it's fucking two weeks away and i you know it's my fault i can't be mad at nobody but myself you know and it's because i don't plan ahead of time and you know that <laughs> so yeah you know um I feel like, you know, you, you, you do take it a little, a little over the deep end, but that's not necessarily a bad thing, it, but it is intimidating to people like myself that don't do that. It's not intimidating. It, it, it can be stressful for people that don't plan um, because we don't think that way. We're just like, whatever, winging it. Um, I think that in your mind, you should set a realistic deadline, not your your deadline but a realistic deadline for when you need to know if that location is secure or not the absolute last minute when you can know and then you need to just settle with the fact that that's the deadline oh yeah well we're talking like this weekend we're two months out from it so there's plenty of time but at the same time i asked someone to i asked someone to make a to talk to somebody i asked person a to talk to person b and it, it had been two weeks and they hadn't done that now 
in the age of social media, how long does it take to shoot somebody a message? Like you could do it right now while I'm finishing the sentence. You know what I mean? So don't tell me that over the course of two weeks. I understand what you're saying though. No, no, because no, I've gotten this shit from a lot of people before. And it's it's something that the reason I wanted to kind of do it publicly to check in with you about was because number one, I want to fucking check in with you. But number two, I think it's something that you get in a lot of creative relationships. It's something I've had in the past is that like yeah. you need the John Lennon, but you need the Paul McCartney. Like you need right. kind of both types because somebody's got to make sure that the fucking buses run on time. But you don't want someone that's so type A that they suck all the creative juice out of a situation. You know what I mean? Right. And it, it's finding that that perfect balance. It's never a perfect balance. It's an imperfect balance. But keeping that thing somewhat level and even is like I think the 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 trick to making stuff work. You know? I mean, on behalf of that person, <clears throat> you're right. It doesn't take long to just send a message to somebody. But I will say, um, you don't know what their standing is with with the venue people. You know what I mean? Like maybe they're they were good friends, and it's somebody they don't talk to for a while. Maybe they kind of need to like fluff them a little bit so they don't seem like they're just trying to use their location to film on. Yeah, you no, know, I, I um, you don't know. You know, who knows? Um, you know what they got going on? I, you know, I have no idea. I'm supposed to go on. I was asked to go back on the Bloody Bits Horror Show in September, um, and I told them that I would get back to them as to what, what weekend I can record. And I, I don't know yet. And it's because I have to sit down and do my. I can't just like be like, oh, I could do it this day because I don't know. I have to plan my entire September because September is a crazy busy month. Um, yeah. You know, I mean, you just don't know what some of these things might entail for other people. Um, you know, but but yes, Pat, you know that you're like that. So I mean, come on, you know you're like that. <laughs> I just I've never had anyone. Uh, I haven't had anyone get uh, forceful with me about it. Probably in a couple years, though. You know, <laughs> well, I put it like that to be like, listen, motherfucker, you need to chill the because you're you're not a dickhead. I mean, if you were a dickhead about it, then then everybody would be like, oh fuck you, you know. But, but it's probably because you're not a dickhead about it that they're like, I'm gonna have to hurt this dude's feelings. And I don't think that they do it to be mean or anything like that. Um, you know, I just think that you know, it's like in, it's like the screaming woman in horror movies, and then she gets slapped in the fucking face, and she comes out of her hysterics. You know, it's like that sometimes. Oh, the, okay, it is. <laughs> It is like that. So, so the person just slapped it. It's like, calm the fuck down. <laughs> you got two months. You got oh. months, you know? I mean, you know, in the meantime, you know, what you can do, you know, one thing that you learn as an adult or, you know, should learn as an adult, and I'm not saying that you you don't, just for anybody, is that you, you can't control other people. You got no control over other people, so you can't make them do anything. Um, one thing that you can do is be responsible for you. And if you are worried about a location, then what you can do now is start scouting out a second location. I don't know. It's that daddy dom energy that I have where I just want to hold people down and fuck common sense into them. I don't know. <laughs> I would not tell that person that. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. I, I immediately regretted saying that because that is not the that is not the dynamic that, that we have at all. At all. <laughs> But, uh, you know, I think it's, it's like, you know, no, I'm not a dom. Like I don't wear the leather gauntlets and, uh, you know, and all that shit and hang out at run fairs, but I am creatively. I am creatively. I'm definitely a dom, uh, lifestyle wise. No, you know, sure. Sure. Well, it's, I mean, ultimately it's your project. So, I mean, I don't blame you there, Right. you know, of course you got other people involved, but I mean, it's your baby, you know? So yeah, you, you got to do that. You got, you, you have to have control of the situation because nobody else is going to, um, you know, and that's fine. That's okay. But you also have to think 
you know, realistically. And again, you know, if, if it's, if waiting that long is too much for you for an answer, then you have to just go, you know what, I'm just going to find somewhere else. If it's too much, if it's not too much, then you need to go, okay, I need to calm down. I've got this amount of time. Right, 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 right. Keep asking the people, you know, because I'll be honest with you, when I flake out on things, it's not because I did it on purpose or I have no interest. It's because I forget. So, and that could be the case here is that they've, well, I mean, maybe not. I mean, maybe they didn't forget. I don't know. But, you know, you'll ask me shit and then I won't answer. And then you'll ask me days later and then eventually I answer. You know, it just happens. <laughs> I have a bad habit of looking at shit on my phone and then being like, oh, you know, I'll respond to that later. Or I'm, do- I'm already doing something else and I'll look at it and just not even think about the fact that I'm looking at it and then forget all about it. I mean, so, you know. But then again, I don't have my shit together. So don't take advice from me. I- <laughs> <laughs> I'm just I'm, I'm I'm just asking to fill out a comment card. What's it What's it like making stuff with Pedo? Is it Is it unbearable or no? I get you. I get you. You know, it's not unbearable. I mean, you know, you keep you keep things on track, which is good because otherwise I'd just be fucking out here doing I don't know fucking up everything. You know, so, <laughs> <laughs> so nothing would ever get done. You know, it's a good thing, um, but. Uh, yeah and i mean we've talked before just about like show scheduling and stuff like that and i'm like i need to get this together and uh have i gotten any of it together yet no but well actually you have because after this week's episode we are like it's us and guests for the next shit five mm-hmm. fucking weeks or something yeah least, i mean yeah and, and, and those were people schedule so yeah and those were all booked by you so i i i i respectfully disagree with you there you have been on fire as far as booking upcoming <laughs> episodes on wednesday we talk weird i don't know how much i don't know how much you want to pimp that stuff in advance but like uh, i don't just in case <laughs> but uh just in case yeah. those creative people flake right i mean they, <laughs> life happens you know what i mean things happen right. so i'm not gonna i'm not gonna fucking put anybody under the gun like that and have it recorded but um you know I, that's been the focus of my life lately is getting my shit together and uh man it's been hard i feel so distant from everybody but i've just been really doing a lot of focusing on me and and the things that i need to do and um but yeah that's been one of them if you as a listener want to hear anybody in particular on the show let us know let either myself or pato know and we will reach out to them and try our best to get them on the show um you know that's uh that offer still stands if there's anybody that you 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 suggest that you want to hear just tell us and we'll bring them on right on and uh you know if they've been on the show before well shame on you for not listening to all 121 episodes of the podcast that's uh (laughs) your fault (laughs) (laughs) but i will redirect you to that point so okay well i went squatching how'd that go you know it went um it it was actually pretty good it it wasn't uh wasn't what we expected but it was okay so i went with our um you know our friend friend of the show reverend crimson nicholas um with a million other titles that i don't know um but um you know we went and we had a a spot we had a location we were going to um but neither of us have ever been to this area this particular area of ohio before um well that's not true i've been there but i've been on lots of drugs every time i've been there um because it's out it's out in the middle of nowhere it's by this place called camp kern and uh they got crazy fucking roads so of course we'd fucking d- take drugs and go right around them um but there's a <clears throat> there's an old native american museum there we had no idea about and um we ended up stopping off there and spent probably too much time at the native american museum but 
um it was neat it was just about uh telling the history of native americans in ohio and uh the different you know types and tribes and just kind of from you know then until now and there's a lot of white shaming at the end which was pretty great and uh you know that was cool so at the end of it they had a little gift shop and you know we bought some things or whatever and uh we're talking to the ladies and just saying you know hey we've never been here before and they're like oh yeah and i told them it was like well actually we came out here to look for bigfoot and you know i do shit like that um you know one of the fans had mentioned uh they were kind of laughing at the fact that you know i was in a fucking dive bar a couple weeks ago asking somebody about dog man <laughs> i do shit like that <laughs> it's my job and uh so you know you kind of gauge their reaction and you know their reaction was just cut they're like oh yeah yeah he's out here in this area you know and uh the one little old lady sitting there because they're just a bunch of old ladies um well the one goes well she saw it and was talking about one of the ladies there and i was like oh really so i immediately go up to her start telling her about you know asking her about it and she was like yeah i was just driving down the road and there it was crossing crossing the road and you know we just kind of talked about you know science and how science doesn't accept bigfoot blah blah blah, whatever um anyway then we went to like the actual kind of area where we're going to be um really looking for bigfoot at it's kind of off of this bike trail it was seen so the reason why we're there is because the bfro had a report of a mom and a daughter riding bikes on this bike trail and fucking there it was just chilling on the bike trail and so you know when you go the first time to a location you have no idea what to expect you know so what the first time you go you're kind of trying to figure out what to expect um you know we went and it's i mean it's pretty for being where it's at for being rural it's pretty populated it is a whole ass bike trail but that bike trail 60 miles long um, jesus yeah it's a big bike trail and it all follows the little miami river here in ohio um so you're kind of when you're on the bike trail you're like kind of walking around the, the river we only had maybe about 25 minutes to be on the actual trail itself and we didn't we didn't quite get to um the location spot um because there are coordinates for where this took place um but we're definitely going to go back out again and see uh that's the loveland frog river it is mm-hmm. yeah oh my it god is. it is but it's a different town yeah no i understand <laughs> rivers run through multiple parts of the state rivers are I'm, big. Yeah. <laughs> right they certainly are aren't they but uh that's interesting that it's the same river well the bike trail might lead down there like i said it's 60 miles so it, it very well could leave right into loveland um you know i don't know i haven't really tracked it but yeah this is orgonia ohio is where it's at but the whole area the whole general like i said there's a camp there and it's in the middle of fucking nowhere there's nothing else um and just some of the things that i've seen you know about the area and kind of what other areas it leads into have they it leads into other areas of investigation that i've had on my radar um so it it makes sense and not necessarily just for bigfoot for other things too um so yeah it was successful we didn't find bigfoot but you know we found ourselves and that's what matters (laughs) and honestly what would you have done if you came around a tree and came face to face with bigfoot i would have died because i would have tried to pet it oh yeah i would die pulled out my camera and taking a very video a uh, very blurry video and pictures <laughs> <laughs> you know what do you do and you see right. people, you know i don't know um but uh yeah so <clears throat> you know we were there and and granted when you go out on these things you know of course seeing bigfoot is the absolute goal you're probably not going to mm-hmm. but your second goal is to gather evidence you know footprints possible 
hair samples. Um, you know, I hate them, but maybe even tree structures. I mean, that's something, um, you know, just kind of looking around the area and seeing the types of things that, that you can find out there um, is a good idea. But we're going to go back and explore that part more. So rock and roll. That's uh, basically. Uh, <clears throat> oh, yeah. And then I watch more um, The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. And God, you guys. <laughs> so disappointed. <laughs> it's not good. <laughs> you know um hmm you know i haven't finished it yet there's three seasons of it right i'm on season two and i'm trying to watch it and it's just not it's not going well um you know i I catch like all these little fucking lies that they tell all the time and then it's like when they do when there is something and it's like oh that might be something um then i'm like this is fucking tv magic isn't it like this isn't actually real but i don't see i couldn't you know they don't find anything because if they did it would be in the fucking news right like, that's no. the thing so you know that h- how are you watching three seasons of a show that teases an outcome that you know it never reaches like that's why i could never wrap my head around it like how could you watch bigfoot hunters or fucking something because you know if they f- if the second that crew found anything that 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 would go to press immediately before the season was finished before it hit the editor before a single trailer was cut you know what I mean? That would make national headlines, international headlines. It would be all over the place. Biggest story of our century, you know? So it's like, what do you think is going to happen in Skinwalker Ranch episode fucking two of three? <laughs> like yeah. Nothing. I mean, nothing. Yes and no. Because like when we did the Skinwalker Ranch episode, I'll tell you, the story about the one guy who saw the fucking portal and the things crawling out of the portal, I 1000% believe that story. There is absolutely no reason why that would be a fake story. None. These weren't just people. These were scientists and their job was to study the stuff. I believe that story. To me, that's big, right? To all of us weirdos, that's big. Um, So like, could they find those things that are big, but don't necessarily prove anything? Yeah, absolutely. Um, You know, because that's kind of what all this is. I mean, they're not going to really prove anything, in my opinion, because these things aren't of our world. So we don't know. We don't understand how it works anyway. Mm -hmm. Um, But even as those things come out, there's not going to be a big press conference held about it. That's never going to happen. If there was Bigfoot, you know, there's not really, it's probably not going to be a big press conference about it. (laughs) It's just going to be a random article that you see scrolling down Twitter one day or whatever. and that's just the climate that we live in now. Um, so, I mean, I'm like, okay, I'm, I'm not going to, I was saying that, I'm not going to watch this anymore. But then I look on my Twitter one day and on like my, I guess, For You page, this is like your For You page, but for Twitter, Skinwalker Ranch was kind of trending up there. And I'm looking and the guy that owns it, Brandon Fugel or whatever, he's like on there vehemently defending a lot of the things that's said on the show or whatever. And I'm like... I really want to get into this Twitter argument with this guy, but I also haven't watched the show. So let me watch the show just so I can get on there and fucking argue with him and be like, you know what? I don't believe you. I think you're doing this for money because for one, you won't let my team come out there and investigate it. You won't let anybody else's team come out and investigate it. The only person that you're allowed, allowing out there are people on the show and you won't go on anybody's shows to talk about it. You won't come on my podcast to talk about it. Because you don't want to get fucking drilled because you know that the, the, that the shit is bullshit. That's what you know. <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Um, I just don't recommend it. <laughs> that's, that's my two cents about it. I don't recommend The Secret of Skinwalker Ranch. I haven't finished it. but And I will finish it at this point. I'm already invested. But 
it's you know if you want to hear good skinwalker ranch information um we did a whole episode about it go listen to it it's we the best sure information did. out there yeah we did, we did a damn good job and uh you know i I'm, I'm still stuck at that same conclusion that we came at the end of that episode that there is nothing happening there now really so not anything compared to what has been i mean especially because they, they've lied about shit too i mean that's another thing they lied about stuff and it's like you know at some point they were and they were looking at some guy's research on ufos or whatever and the guy's got like he's like classified these ufos and he's just organized the sightings that's all and they're on there and they're like well nobody's ever done this before nobody's ever ever done research like this before and it's like well that's not fucking true just just go to fucking just get on twitter and fucking look at the ufo bros people do that shit all the time (laughs) that's always been done so i you know i don't know it's just dumb but anyway that was my weekend oh exciting (laughs) i got one piece of news and it literally just happened good thing we recorded this one late how we were recording this literally just happened um there have been fossils found in a river of a plesiosaur a river in morocco and the reason why that's big news is because science has been saying for a long time that nessie cannot be a plesiosaur because they lived in salt water we found plesiosaur bones in a river in a freshwater river yeah mm-hmm. so well, that's interesting you know what does that mean it was conducted by some british university you know again it literally just happened while while we're recording this so i i don't know the exact details yet um but that's probably it really <laughs> probably some british university found some fossils in a freshwater river um so you know plesiosaurs now back on the table for nessie i guess you know we did a great episode on nessie too you guys should go listen to that also so that is something but anyway that's all i got that's all i got for the news um let, you know there's something i wanted to bring up uh he's a twitter or is a tiktok guy and he posts some really great content and i sent it your way uh but i just want to give him a quick plug max powers he's on youtube now too and uh his TikTok address is para p a r a s y k e tok t o k parapsych tok um and like I said he's got a YouTube channel too and uh he does all kinds of content where he talks about urban legends and stuff that's been in the news and um I would love to have him on the show I know I've, I mean you've kind of talked about it a little bit in the past I've tried to find a way to get a hold of him I can't I can't find one really okay if i mean yeah i could i can apply myself a little bit too he just did a two-part series this week about um like giant spiders in antarctica and supposedly there's google earth images of these things walking around and there's some guy that came forward that uh his father was in the air force and and ran into these things and, and the whole mythology behind it it's it was fascinating i don't know how true it was it sounded a lot like the thing the the john carpenter movie from the fucking eight. I, the best horror movie ever made of course you know what the thing is but um super interesting so that's the only kind of news i got check that dude out then well okay that is very interesting <laughs> there you <laughs> then go then i sound interested 
No, you sound like you're in. <laughs> Whatever, man. You got my customer service voice on. Yeah, well, yes. interesting. Wow. Wow. Okay. So, what kind of payment am I sending you for today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <All right. laughs> so, about this uh, payment. No. <laughs> <laughs> right. um, I like how I like how in your off hours you're a fin dom. <laughs> I am, yeah. <laughs> you are like that's literally like what you fucking do. You know, I don't know. I, I don't. I wouldn't know how to be a sex worker. I don't, like. Yeah, right. You're a fucking professional fin dom. I think you'll figure it out. <laughs> I mean that. Yeah, that's true. Um. Uh, anyway, uh, <laughs> we won't get into that one. Uh, this episode. Um. This is well. You know what? I'll tell you. This is gonna. This episode is gonna turn very sad very quickly. <laughs> uh, you know why? Because I, I say this every week. You've already read it. You know what the show is about. It's about the Kool Aid Man. Right, right. Well, not actually Kool Aid, but <laughs> no, no, it's the flavor aid man. Yeah, right. That's <laughs> you know you always start these episodes off by asking or the, these segments off by asking me. So, what did you know about Jim Jones going into this? And I'm like, well, the only thing I knew ended up being completely fucking wrong. <laughs> the only thing I knew That's, about yeah. Jim Jones is that he was the dude that made everyone drink the Kool Aid. And at the end of the day, no, it was not Kool Aid. It was the President's Choice Kool-Aid Flavor-Aid. The <laughs> President's Choice. <laughs> and so I didn't even know what I thought I fucking knew. So this whole thing was an eye-opening experience for me. I will agree with that. I, um, being the true crime person that I am, I've never deep-dived Jim Jones. This is the first time. Really? Um, that, okay. Yeah. And I've really looked into it. And, uh, I mean, I knew about it. You know what I mean? I, I knew. Everybody knows who fucking Jim Jones is. Dude, I didn't know I, a lot of things. I didn't know about the 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 congressman you know what i mean or the 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 officials that were there that what instigated the whole i didn't know any of this shit it was i knew that part i guess you know so that part didn't come as like i knew the very 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 end but that was it that's all i knew um you know and so i didn't but i didn't really understand how and who everybody was so i'm I'm gonna start i'm gonna preface it by saying this um like i said it's going to get very 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 sad i'm gonna tell you that right now um and you know it's it's going to get kind of dark but there's a lot of people involved in this it's not just jim jones and i'm not going to fucking name any of them except for the one congressman <laughs> because it's just going to get it's too confusing i'll be honest with you um even doing the research for it it, it was a lot so um jim jones uh he i don't know what year he was born it doesn't matter what year he was born but jim jones was born in 2031 look at you 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 have the facts at the ready may 13th um, 1931 <laughs> you knew it he was born into extreme poverty and um very neglectful parents because of it um you know his uh his dad was a dis- disabled war veteran became disabled because he was sprayed with chemicals in the war um he had all kinds of fucked up issues and then his mother had to work a lot or at least attempted to work a lot um or she just kind of didn't really possess many uh maternal instincts so she kind of just ignored ignored jimmy a lot as a child and um everybody knew it you know the whole neighborhood kind of knew that they were extremely poor um a lady i can't remember her name ended up kind of uh taking him under her wing quite a bit when he was very young and introduced him to the bible and let me tell you he fucking took that bible and he just ran with it he loved the shit out of the bible <laughs> he fucking loved that book a lot and uh he would 
preach it to everybody um but because he was preaching the bible to everybody um it kind of isolated him from his peer groups and things like that um you know other kids thought he was fucking weird and and of course they did you know they they were trying to you know get blowjobs and smoke cigarettes and he was telling them that they were going to go hell for it i mean who wants to hang out with that fucking kid the old tattletale ass you know um telling jesus on you and shit nobody um so he you know he had a lot of uh issues kind of integrating into society um you know just because he claimed onto this thing a lot some people said that he was kind of obsessed with death um you know even reporting that he would murder animals just to have burials for them for them but i don't think that's actually true i think that he would like scoop up roadkill or neighborhood pets at, that died and he would have like cer- like ceremonies for them um he wanted to be a preacher jim jones wanted to be uh some type of pastor um his right. entire life basically well that that's something so he's from he was born in indiana spent the the first part of his life there and when you talk about rural poverty they lean towards religion more than uh more than most people you know sure i I think when when we think about yeah exactly and when we think about devout christians and when we think about the right wing we think about all this stuff we have a tendency to imagine these super rich mega churches the righteous gemstones and that's that's a part of it don't get me wrong there's there's those people out there too but the other um the other portion of society where where religion can be very very heavy is in the lower class because like you said it's all they have especially with him growing up in poverty in indiana he was um living in a kind of like a a desegregated situation i guess is the way to put it um this was during the time of segregation still obviously but when you're that fucking poor it doesn't matter you know everyone's living together so his his kind of upbringing as a his introduction to religion came from a lot of the the uh black evangelical baptist preachers tent revival type thing and it's always interesting when you see uh white people kind of co-opt like we had last week with elvis that type of environment and that type of persona and charisma and then adapt it to a white audience how well it sells because white people it's like it's smallpox to the indians we have no inoculation against that right not prepared for that kind of charisma and and you know whipping a crowd up to a frenzy so when he did make when he did finally get involved in religion he brought that background with him and it kind of helped him gather a fan base uh, even though not to skip ahead too much, when we get to when we do get to Jonestown, it was a very very uh, desegregated population. It was it was not just a bunch of white people out there doing that stuff, right? It, you right. know, it was everybody. But that was kind of the socialist utopia that he was going for. Yeah, they uh, well, so right, so growing up where he did, um, he had experienced a lot of. Um, he didn't experience it, but he had watched a lot of racism, and he had a right. problem with it. Yeah. He was like, oh, this shit isn't okay. And so as he is also going through, um, you know, trying to learn how to be a pastor and trying to learn how to um, try to make a plan for human rights, <laughs> you know, going forward, um, he's also doing a lot of studying on politics and other religions and things like that. And um, with politics, I mean, he was a big fan of, um, you know, studying about 
these crude dictators uh he was a big fan of studying about hitler he was a big fan of studying um which of course hitler was right i mean as he's growing up that's all happening right mm. um he's a big fan of studying uh you know karl marx um he got really 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 into um communism just in general um he was a big fan of mao um you know he he really enjoyed the the politics aspect as well and in his mind was kind of intertwining all of these things and you know we didn't even know it yet nobody did you know um so later on down the line a little bit later on down the line he meets up with a man i can't remember his name doesn't matter a faith healer he meets up with a faith healer very popular white faith healer and this man kind of also takes a young jim jones now he wasn't a teenager anymore this is a little bit his uh, young adulthood he was married at this point um he dated a girl and married her and stayed married to her for the rest of his life um but that we'll get to that later um but he met this man this faith healer who would take him he would kind of follow him around on these tours and he thought it was absolutely amazing what the guy was doing um not because he was actually faith healing but because he was he was learning to you know quote unquote faith heal which um is a very deceptive practice in case you didn't know it's not real um <laughs> <laughs> you know somebody actually needs to tell you that it's it's not real i mean it's basically like a i mean it's basically like being an illusionist but for religion you know and mm. uh getting people's hopes hopes up um but this man i mean he would go and and um you know jim was fascinated by the fact that you know this guy knew these people's names and knew their life stories and i mean he really bought into it so he's kind of um you know taken up under this guy and this guy's teaching him how to do things and, and then it gets to the point to where he would start taking jim jones with him um to um preach at, at these events um so it was a big deal so in 1955 um the people's temple is officially started um you know jim jones wanted to create his own little you know section because again that that was his his deal he wanted to um be a pastor that was the thing and at, you know at that time he was selling it with this faith healing um and he would go out and i mean he would raise crowds and hundreds he would have people come out um hopeful of getting some of the faith healing and then they they actually liked the things that he was saying also because while he's on stage he's also you know preaching about equality and you know it's kind of crazy um hearing some of the ideas that that he was pushing out there because most of us in today's day and age we would have been like oh hell yeah brother right you know he he was preaching some really important stuff i mean he was kind of starting to he wasn't denouncing christianity but one of his big things about christianity was that it was um it wasn't it was a terrible thing it was used to oppress women and non-whites he said that he said that the bible was used for that and um now granted this was kind of slowly over the years he he started getting there but um it was before jonestown <laughs> that he gained this following um because he wanted to create something of his own and um well, you know, he was, again, ra he was rallying against the religious conservatism of urban america and the south and where, he was, yeah. you know, where that was the two went hand in hand. And once again, uh, you know, you're talking about the late 50s, early 60s, and you had the hippie movement, the anti-war movement. We were in the middle of the Cold War. You had, uh, you know, the beatniks had kind of done their thing already. You had the the jazz music and, and drug culture and all that stuff was all starting to come about. And there he was preaching liberalism 
and religion. And that was something that was very, very new. You don't get that. To this day, you don't get that a lot. You know what I mean? You don't have very, uh, you know, if, if you consider yourself a liberal, it's it's hard to be a hardline religious person, too. And kind of neither camp wants you, you know, most most I'm not saying most liberal people are not religious by nature, but, you know, there's a lot of stuff about Christianity and organized religion that is not very open and accepting or tolerant, you know. And if you look at a lot of the driving forces in this country politically, uh, it, religion and conservatism go hand in hand. You know? Right. So he, right. he, he spoke to a, a very large number of people, uh, a lot a lot of which were black for obvious reasons, that wanted to retain their faith, but couldn't sign on with white conservative America. Right. And that was where he found his army. And that is what every good uh, cult leader does yeah. <laughs> is they yeah. f- find an army to mobilize. And he had a rainbow. He was the originator of the rainbow coalition. When we get into like the, the his family, his actual family unit, he adopted and he had foster kids and black, white, didn't matter. Asian. You know what I mean? He was, he, he really was, he's a very tragic figure, I think, because he got a lot of things right. And I, I hate to say that because it sounds like I'm talking about Hitler, even though, hello. But um, well, he had a lot of good ideas. Jim Jones did. had a lot of good ideas. <laughs> he, he really did. And, you know, I like I said, there's so fucking much to all of this, even before. I mean, this is 20 years before Jonestown. You know, yeah. there's so much to it that I highly, highly recommend looking into it. It is very fascinating. fascinating. PBS did, had a great documentary. All, I stole all my info from PBS. But there's, I'm sure there's tons of resources. I will read a book about this at some point because it is fascinating. I learned so much from this episode. I'm I quit interjecting now. I'm like, do your thing. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> we'll get there. I promise. Um, and if I miss anything, I mean, and I'm going by year. So once you hit my, once I hit my year mark, Pat, if you if you hear something I didn't hit in the previous years, you tell me. <laughs> um, <clears throat> so you know, so he's going around. He's not only going around on these like tours, right? He's on his tour. You know, he's doing his thing. Um, he's also going to, um, you know, civil rights marches and protests. And uh-huh. um, he is giving speeches there. And, and you know, again, that's what we were talking about. He's targeting the specific demographic of people, right? And at the time, you know, black people or, you know, we won't even say black people, just non-whites, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly black, but non-whites um, were very vulnerable because they felt like they had no allies. And Jim Jones came in and you know was like i'm your ally and guess what we have an entire group of people that are also your allies you know join us he didn't say join us but you know he was he was getting people to come and join his church and it just kept growing um and i mean people were really about it he was really popular um you know to the point to where you know he started getting press um coverage you know he was he was in the news a lot um specific members of um congress and things like that started recognizing him a lot of people were publicly endorsing this man um going yeah you know he's really doing great wonderful things and you know what at the time he was and and pat's right he ended up adopting a bunch of non-white children um you know he he had uh, adopted three korean kids and then like ran a campaign throughout the church encouraging other people to adopt korean kids um you know all these things are great i don't um (laughs) there's nothing wrong with them up to this point you know he's doing a good job 
and uh you know we'll kind of backtrack on some of those things um but as the years kind of started to go um he started becoming increasingly paranoid and for good reason let me tell you something if you're a white person fighting for black people um and around the 1950s 1960s you're getting a lot of death threats right and well it was also cold war stuff too i mean he had he had a big phobia about nuclear war and Mm -hmm. uh the the uh, geopolitics that were kind of emerging post-world war ii so um you know it's interesting it's so much stuff this kind of came at perfect timing because that jim jones paranoia uh, it's still alive today like i said i was just in that concealing carry class and uh there's still people that really think that like you know the government's going to start going door to door and it's like well like what your cousins that are in the army like they're going to come and like come on like you know it's not yeah but yeah he was there was there was a height of that because you had the vietnam war you had the draft you had post-world war ii cold war um you know so and yeah he thought he was being followed and honestly he probably was are you kidding me like the the fbi at one point spoke with his mother um because you know again he was very active with within civil rights communities and they were concerned i mean you know we all know that the u.s government killed martin luther king jr that's not everybody knows that and robert kennedy in the same fucking year in the same fucking year (laughs) we should talk about that sometime on the show um but uh yeah i mean we all know that that happened so yeah they were interested in him for a minute not because of his religion or anything like that just because of the figure that he was at the time um so he was he was becoming increasingly paranoid um and and probably very egotistical at this time you know again he he had a couple he probably had about a thousand or so followers at this point um and that number is just continuing to grow and he ended up you know the church became started becoming bigger and bigger um in 1961 he had a vision that there was going to be a nuclear attack specifically on indiana um and that uh you know the the world would end on july 25th 1967 never guys never name a date because you're always going to be wrong you're going to be wrong and guess what he was wrong um but but that was his vision you know he allegedly um that's what he thought was going to happen that uh the world was going to end and you know at this time again the church is picking up steam but something else had happened um he now with that vision has this inspiration to start some type of commune um to to bring all of his church followers to one spot and he's looking for a place to do that um so he ends up traveling for a little while um to south america and because he heard that they were more accepting of the types of views that he has and what he means by those types of views is communism um but he was always too afraid to really say it you know at this point because communism was a hot button topic <laughs> at this time um so but you know he he went and he left the country for a while and, and kind of traveled around south america looking for a good spot and um you know the church started failing because of his absence um it started kind of going downhill and the other guy that ran it i can't remember his fucking name he had another like a guy that was like his his partner in crime for a long time oh it doesn't matter um you know he basically you know contacted jim jones and said look if you don't get back here and start running this shit again i'm just gonna close up shop and i'm done like it's we're, we're losing money so jim jones comes back and with this inspiration to build this commune he starts um you know traveling around again getting his followers back because the 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 
population of the church had dwindled down to, I think, about 200 or so people, which was mm. a lot less at their, you know, thousand and so that they had. Um, so he starts getting more followers in. But not just that, he is now moving people into the church, um, or at least, you know, he's, he's, he's buying out new properties and moving people in, and he's starting to build this community of people. And anybody that moved into the church, they're giving him everything, everything, all of their money, all of their possessions. He's getting all of it. And at the same time, he starts building a council. <clears throat> now, <laughs> the council is extremely um, uh, strict, you know, because they're following Jim Jones rules. In the middle of this all happening um, and him starting to build this community, he ends up moving from Indiana to California. Right. Okay. Yeah. He still has a church or churches, I think, a couple of them in Indiana under a specific um, congregation or something. I, you know, I don't know. doesn't matter. So he moves to Redwoods, California, and then that's when he really starts picking it up and having people live because he's got this bigger piece of property, right? He's got people living there, and then the rules of this area start becoming different, worse. Right. And the the population that he was drawing from by being centered in California, you had the hippie movement, oh yeah, San Francisco movement. You had people with money too. This oh, was yeah. the, this was the first time that he was drawing upon a middle and upper class uh, talent pool. Let's say so. Whereas step one was kind of, you know, you got to build the the foundation of the pyramid. You go around the Midwest and the rural areas of the South, and you kind of collect all these lower middle class people don't have a lot of money okay fine you got your work you got your uh labor force now when you get to cali that's when you start filling out the middle of the pyramid and you start getting the people with money to join on and that's when they that my impression was that was even though he had been to south america before that's really how he gained the means to oh yeah kind of fund these bigger operations because he had the money from the californians to buy the land and then he had because when he bought that when he bought jonestown in south america it was he bought the fucking jungle it was jungle but luckily he still had all of this labor from middle america and the south to send down there and have them start clearing the forest oh yeah oh it was it was a process yeah um to get there i mean he had bought it a couple years before they moved there permanently and he moved there prematurely actually um but we'll get there um so i agree with that he gets to california um you put that on a fucking t-shirt we'll, we'll get, get there, there. <laughs> slow, slow it down there um am i going too fast it's gonna happen oh, too okay. soon yeah that's well, fucking the story of my life yeah all right we know we talked about it in the beginning um no i'm just kidding <laughs> or am i um so he gets to california and something else had happened as well when he gets to california jim jones he started doing drug he started taking drug what he started taking lsd all the drug all of them he was taking everything i don't think nobody you know people name dropped some things and then they did an autopsy in his uh corpse and he there was like enough drugs to kill the average five people but you know, not him because he had to do it with a gunshot but anyway <laughs> so um he, he was he was very much uh, addicted to a lot of drugs you know but he started doing them in california of course that's what you do right. in california sure um you know so while he's starting to take drugs um again the church itself is starting to ramp up they're starting to come up with ridiculous fucking rules um you know at that point in time jim jones has control over who can marry who 
Um, you know, you've got control over how these people spend their day. Because, um, again, they're giving up everything that they have and they're moving into the church and they're living on the property. And the rules were, were so strict. I mean, if you did not follow them, there were punishments. Um, Jim Jones started taking... I'm not going to say sexual favors because that's not really what it is. I mean, what it was, was he would tell women, um, if you know, you have sex with me, I'll give you extra food rations or I'll make your work schedule next week. Not so terrible. Um, there were allegations. It's true. I need to put a padlock on my fridge. <laughs> Jesus. No. <laughs> want not- some Pringles? How bad, how bad you want those Pringles? Come here. Come here, baby. <laughs> I guess I mean, work for Jim Jones. Um, there were uh, there was an allegation that he had allegedly raped one of the one of the males in the in the congregation. Um, wow. That guy that guy had left, but then obviously didn't pursue charges because it's the 1960s, and you know you don't do that. You don't talk about that kind of thing. Um, oh, you know, that's terrible. Like I said, they're doing stuff like controlling people's food rations if they break the rules and they starve. Um, they are giving extra work to people. They're publicly shaming um, folks that do bad. Um, so, I mean, it's not great at this point, right? It's not great. Going back to something else, I love it when, like, everything we talk about during the course of the show seems to come together. But, uh, you know, listen, if you want to be a leader, if you want to be a creative person, sometimes you got to crack the whip. All right. We, we, we discussed this in the intro. Okay. But like, in all of my creative endeavors and all the times that I had to be, you know, the director or producer of the project exerting that daddy dime energy, I never rationed anyone's food. You know what I mean? Like there, there's a way to, you do have, somebody has to be in charge and Jim Jones was in charge. Okay. You get all these people willing to like give up all their possessions to come live with you. The next thing they're going to do is ask you, what do you want me to do next? Right. And when you have hundreds upon thousands of people looking at you with doe eyes after giving you everything they own and say, what do you want me to do next? You're going to say, um, okay, well, you 15 over here start painting this house. You 10 start building a garden in the back, right? Because you got to give them something to fucking do. Yeah. But when you start withholding food from people to punish them, I guess it's like, are you going to come up with a jail system? Are you going to do corporal punishment? How do you discipline people? How do you keep people in line? How do you effectively manage a group that large? I guess food rationing is one way to do it. You know, the rape part is disturbing. I mean, I've, I've run a lot of movie sets before. I've never had to rape anyone to get them to get their fucking lines right. You know, but like. I mean, it's sad that it took that kind of turn. But at the same time, how else do you expect one guy to control thousands of people? So are you saying that... I'm not saying anything. Are you Hold on. Are you saying that what you do is just fine because you're not Jim Jones level of cracking the whip? Well, I, don't, I also don't have thousands of people I'm trying to keep in line. I mean, there's a couple <laughs> dozen tops. Not yet, but Jim Jones didn't the first either. Right? You got to um, start off small. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to put that padlock on the fridge gonna start your little congregation somewhere exactly um you know so by the time that he's in california and and at that point in time i think he he had um three different congregations there throughout california mm-hmm. and so again he's getting large he's he's people are following him i mean he's topping three thousand followers and um that's a lot that's as many followers as i have on twitter <laughs> oh my god and all my social media <laughs> combined i have more followers than jim jones that's cool. That is sure. Not <laughs> to ride home about. Right. That should be a T-shirt. I have more followers than Jim Jones. That's a good idea. 
Ooh, I think I'm going to do it. That is a good one. And then you put, then you got to put a Twitter symbol on there, Twitter, Instagram, the the three. uh, Yeah. I'm doing that one. Um, Anyway. So, you know, he's got these three churches. Meanwhile, he still has the church back in Indiana. He didn't, it's, it's still his. Um, But this group of psychologists, the Indiana state psychology board start to investigate Jim Jones um just because i don't know they're curious i guess i I think they they kind of got into it um mostly because they were interested in the faith healing stuff and they were um faith healing was kind of big around that time and they were interested in kind of breaking that apart and talking about the people that you know follow that kind of thing and um anyway they had uncovered a lot about his faith healing um they had kind of um, broken the illusion they told the magician's tricks to everybody and said well these things didn't happen that tumor that you saw that person spit out that was a chicken gizzard held in their mouth until it was time Um, those people that you thought were um that jim jones didn't know well they were part of the church the whole time they traveled with them you know (laughs) they they, and and they broke it apart and what are you doing making another drink (laughs) jesus flavored I'm like, is, you make it some flavor aid, are you? <laughs> flavor aid with uh, Captain Morgan. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> so, like I told you, this is my Leaving Las Vegas episode. So I'll wow. see. Anyway, so they're, so they're investigating Jim Jones, and this makes Jim Jones very nervous. Sure. Um, he is now thinking that the police are going to come after him they're gonna come for him why i i don't because he's a communist that's why um you know but that's what he thinks that's what he thinks is gonna happen and um now meanwhile the indiana psychology board they did approach the authorities and said you need to do something about this guy and they were like we can't do shit about it those are those people are all there on their own free will we can't do anything about it so they didn't even look into it (laughs) the police didn't even look into it but jim jones he's like the police are coming um so in 1973 he purchases a plot of land and what is it guyana guyana yeah south america that's just south america yeah yeah he purchases a plot of land the young motherfuckers ain't going there what do you you don't want to you don't need to tell the person at southwest what the name of the place is i mean they might i don't know our listeners might have uh traveling to south america to tour money i don't um but uh you know whatever anyway so so he he purchases this plot of land in 1973 and starts moving kind of moving people there and establishing jonestown mm-hmm. um you know it's not it's not quite established yet um because it's you know he's working on it it takes a lot and again it is a whole last chunk of the jungle that they're in um so while he's working on that he's managing things at home and he's just getting increasingly paranoid so in 1977 he finally moved everybody to jonestown now jonestown was only really set up for about 300 people mm-hmm. and he moved i think a couple thousand there well, it wasn't quite a couple th- it was like a thousand and something yeah. um so it wasn't even i mean it wasn't even equipped to handle that many people but because he was so paranoid and told all these people the police are coming for for us and what they're going to do is they're going to you know lock us all in cages they're gonna they're gonna kill us like they did the jews they're gonna experiment on us they're gonna take our children everybody moved with them or most people moved with them there are a lot of other circumstances at play 
around this time and all those things. But again, if you want to know more, go find out more. Um, you know, there's a lot to this. <laughs> there's like a four hour long documentary on this. And that's probably the most comprehensive that there is. And it probably still doesn't cover everything. So that's just your bit of information. So while he's in Jonestown, a, a group of family members of some of these people that moved form a group. Yes. They form like a coalition. It's the, the Concerned Relatives Group. Um, one of them happened to be, or uh, two of them, as a matter of fact, happened to be a man and a woman. The woman was having a sexual relationship with Jim Jones and had a baby. And she was also married, okay? So there was a weird possibility of a custody battle, but instead of that happening, the husband was kicked out of the group and he went on to form the concerned relatives group and the woman just straight up left and left the child there with Jim. I don't know if it was ever proven if that child was his or not. I don't know if that one lived or not. I think he did, um, but that part doesn't matter. So, I mean, again, a lot of moving parts to all this. Anyway, while they are in Jonestown, um, Jim starts having these things that he's calling white nights. And these are drills. So at one point in time, he gathers everybody up in the center of, of, the, of the little village there, gives a big old speech, talks about, you know, how um, they're getting ready to be killed or whatever. So everybody needs to kill themselves. And gets all these people to drink Flavor-Aid and told them that it had poison in it. And then was like, oh, well, that was just a drill. There's no poison in it. So he is already preparing all these people for a mass suicide. He had been prepping them for a mass suicide. So meanwhile, the concerned relatives group get into contact with members of Congress. And one person that took a particular interest in it was Congressman Leo Ryan. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, he was like, well, I'm going to go there because rumors are starting to come up that people are going to Jonestown and then they're not allowed to leave. Um, you know, and that people are being held captive there, basically. And, you know, just people are, are concerned <laughs> about this whole group. <laughs> so Leo Ryan goes, you know what? I'm going to get a group of people. We're going to go down there. We're going to go see what the fuck's going on. Um, so he does. So he, he takes himself. He takes, I believe, some NBC reporters or some shit, right. um, some cameramen, you know, and, and they all go down there. Um, and there there is footage of, you know, kind of him talking to Jim Jones and, and all that. Um, at one point in time, a woman handed Leo Ryan a note ask, you know, asking him to sneak her out. Um, and, you know, he took that note and confronted Jim Jones about it and was like, look, these people want to leave and you're not letting them. And then he goes on this big speech about how, oh, no, they're allowed to leave. They're just playing games. People are just playing games. It's just a game, you know. And, and I think that <clears throat> I think that had it not been for that note being brought to his attention, um, this would have went differently. I think it would have. Um, but, but it was, it was brought to his attention and Leo Ryan and his crew were supposed to be there for a couple of days, but they ended up leaving on day two when one of the, um, members of the group decided to attack him with a knife. Um, uh, but he, he escaped it, right? He narrowly escaped that. And, you know, he is leaving <laughs> now at this point, they're like, well, we gotta get the fuck out of here. We just got attacked. We're going to leave. And while he's leaving, 
15 other members wanted to go with him so he took them he said okay come on come with me and they leave jonestown and they go to get on the plane and when they're getting on the plane jonestown had like a security team around the perimeter Mm -hmm. There, there there were people and what the people there were told they were doing was they were protecting anybody from coming in because they were again they were convinced that people were after them and wanted to attack them or whatever um but realistically those people around the perimeter were also keeping people in and that really was their main job was to make sure nobody left um but while leo ryan and his crew are boarding their planes a couple of those uh guards come out from the jungle and then one of the defectors of the group pulls out a gun and starts shooting yeah there was a there was a plant in the Mm -hmm. group that said they wanted to leave he was actually uh armed the whole time and Mm -hmm. had the intention of killing them when they reached the airstrip and a gun battle ensued on the airstrip and pretty much everybody died so the just to i guess the final not to give away the final i don't want to jump to the end but um of i'm trying to do the math real quick i'm usually really good at math 633 people died at jonestown no 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 i'm sorry i'm sorry 909 909 were the inhabitants but the death toll i fucking 918 was the inhabitants so nine people were uh with the um were with leo ryan's uh entourage mm-hmm. so that includes like i said the nbc camera people his congressional aides or whatever you know and uh yeah right so yeah so they all died um and that happened so while that's happening george jones gathers up his people and he tells them what's going on and he's you know telling them that well guess what's happening um right now that congressman is being shot the pilots being shot those people aren't leaving and now because we have killed these people we have to kill ourselves or we're going to be in trouble mm-hmm. and so he pulls out the blade raid the real deal this time and he is telling people you know what this is the only way we're not committing suicide we are committing a protest via suicide and all the while um all of this can be heard all this whole conversation can be heard um it was all recorded uh, most of these sermons that he put on were recorded he would he would give sermons multiple times a day but you can hear it all and uh while that's happening i mean he actually asked if there's anybody that objects to this really and and people start objecting to it uh one woman in particular argues for quite a while saying no there's other ways what about russia we can get russia on our side he's like well russia's not going to want anything to do with us because of all this stigma surrounding us because the whole world hates us um you know you've got people trying to formulate a plan you know he's like well you know you're not gonna we can't leave quick enough we can't flee quick enough and you know there's too many of us and there's not enough resources for us to even do anything this is literally the only way um and so you know there's a lot of people that are cheering him on you can hear them they're like oh yeah that's right and they're all for it they can't wait to you know unalive themselves um but there are a lot of people (laughs) that are not (laughs) they're excited they're like i can't uh, this has been long enough um but there are a lot of people that did not want to um you know that's the thing about jonestown and and one thing that a lot of people um I don't think they get it wrong so much anymore, but I know it's been something people have talked about how they were all willing participants. Well, they weren't. Um, 
you know, there were a lot of children. I think about a third of the people that died were children. And, you know, they were forced to drink this. I mean, it was just parents, you know, pouring, pouring the Kool-Aid down their throats. Right. The people that wouldn't do it were injected with the Kool-Aid. Mm. With the, well, I'm sorry, the flavor aid. Um, you know, they, I mean, they were forcing people to do this. Um, and, you know, again, while you're listening in on these recordings, it's kind of a weird thing. And I had to, I had to check because I did listen to it. It's the first time I've ever listened to it was today. The death tape. I figured that was something that you had downloaded on E-Bombs World back in the fucking early. No, because it's fucking forty-five minutes long. You don't actually see anything, you know. <laughs> so right. I'm a visual learner. <laughs> um, but no, today's the first day I've ever actually listened to it, and uh, you know it's hard because like, you know, they're not even drinking the Kool Aid yet, and like, fucking people are crying, and the kids are crying, and he's like yelling at people to like make them shut the kids up and like die with dignity and uh, yeah i mean listen if you want to have a bad day okay if you just want to fucking absolutely obliterate your day listen to the fucking jonestown death tape <laughs> it's terrible and like i said they don't even drink the shit until the end and i don't know it seems like the tape is edited i don't know if there's pieces missing because you don't actually hear the people dying like it's weird well i you know you got to think of like why did he do this and hold on we're not there yet you keep okay. you keep jumping ahead <laughs> all right we gotta have we gotta talk about the gory details people don't know the gory details okay um so anyway i mean that's pretty much it for the gory details it, it's sad like i said that the tape is sad eventually like while he's giving the sermon there's like something preaching or chanting or something playing over like a loudspeaker like you can hear it the whole time and um at like the very end of the tape it's just dead fucking silent because all those people are dead you know dead fucking silent and then like the tape starts distorting i mean it's real eerie shit real weird and at first i was like is this just like the edit that i'm listening to somebody put it on fucking youtube and thought it'd be weird to do that like no that's just how it sounds because i don't know it stops working i don't know 85 people survived though 85 of them and i want to talk about the one fucking badass i don't know her name i don't know her name but there's one elderly woman listen this woman survived because she was she slept through the whole fucking thing (laughs) the one that slept under the bed or whatever yeah (laughs) slept through the whole fucking thing and lived (laughs) you know um but there were some of the actually some of leo ryan's crew i think it was like one man or some of them lived well Um, the the only person to be prosecuted for it was the guy that was the um larry layton he was the guy that pretended that he wanted to go yeah he was the plant right and uh and he because he was subdued when he pulled out the gun and started shooting people he was wounded and subdued and um was arrested later at the airstrip so he the only guy to like really face the uh face charges for that shit you know and then there was also and i can't find it in my notes but i had it but one of jim jones kids was playing basketball in georgetown yes and that well all right so then you got that info i'll let you get to it when you get to it well, I wasn't going to, I mean, I wasn't going to say that. So some, some of these survivors was because they had a basketball team and they were playing away. <laughs> right. And then, and, but, they, but they were still notified to, to off yourself. And, um, some of them did, I think, what is it? Five of them did. Oh, so you don't have that information. Oh, it's not a pissing contest, Ashley. But yeah, some of them, some of them killed themselves. Uh, and some of them did not. His kids did not. Ford Ford died in Georgetown, so I don't know 
who those four were, but it was somebody. Was there a fucking messenger that came to Georgetown and was like, you got to kill yourself? Yeah. Or they called them or something. I don't know. I guess it could have been playing a fucking basketball game. Man. Like you got to kill yourself. Okay, I'm right, doing it now. Order, they were given orders over a radio to commit suicide. One loyal member did, using a knife to slit the throats of her three children before killing herself. Uh, Who are these fucking people killing their kids? Jesus, oh, yeah. killing their kids. I mean, I hate I hate my kids sometimes, but I wouldn't fucking kill them. A lot not of the like, protests, not like that, from parents at that didn't want to kill. It was mostly from parents yes a lot of them wanted the kid you know that was one of the arguments that was being made was well our children will be fine they're not going to prosecute our kids let them live well the only people they were going to prosecute was jim jones but i think they were probably afraid of he wanted to get rid of the witnesses that's what this whole thing was was that he had his little fiefdom that was about to come crashing down he realized that the authorities were going to fucking storm that place and take everyone out of there and interview everybody and everyone was going to have like horrible shit to say about the stuff that he did so he figured if i kill everybody then i won't go to jail thing ends up killing himself so it's like i don't know that doesn't fucking make much sense he wasn't, he, wasn't men- yeah. he wasn't mentally sound at the time let's just say that he was very 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 let me emphasize this very high right he was very high and they did they did find that out why he did this i mean okay so it it is premeditated right he knew right he knew that because he had done drills on it and just to see if these people would do it because he was going to do it at some point um you know when that idea popped up nobody really knows um you know his wife had mentioned now she died too um during all this but she had mentioned that he was growing increasingly paranoid over the years and he probably was um you know but nobody could really hardly anybody survived and especially not the people that were close to him none of them survived so it's not like you could after the fact go and talk to people and be like why would he do this you know they're fucking dead right (laughs) you know there's nobody you can interview on it really um and the people that did survive aside from his children and and their kids you know they they didn't really seem to understand it either you know they don't they didn't have any they weren't close to him enough for him to share all his secrets um i don't think when he started this congregation that he planned this in the beginning i i think that this wasn't something he had planned until 1977 when he moved everybody to jonestown and i don't even think initially when he moved everybody that was the plan um i just think it was an idea that he had had some time being there um because he was convinced that they were going to get locked up anyway I don't know if he did it out of love. Maybe he genuinely believed that they were going to lock them all up. You know, I, I think he was. A, I think they were witnesses, and that's what it was. But he killed himself. You know, but someone shot him. Who I don't. Who knows what those circumstances were? And where you know, obviously he, he probably commanded somebody to do it. But why did he? Just, if he was really gonna die like everyone else why not just do the drink the kool-aid why get shot maybe he doesn't like kool-aid well you know what i mean <laughs> why pick that for why why kill 900 people one way and then you're gonna get a bullet i mean i, I guess know, the bullet's quicker. probably less painful yeah i guess so I yeah know. it's a lot better than shitting and puking yourself to death because that's what happens when you take cyanide oh yeah I mean that's what happens you know it is it is a less painful death 
Um, so, I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to know if he actually believed the delusions. I think he did. Um, personally, I think that, like I said, I don't think that he planned this from the get go. I don't think he was teenage Jimmy and was like, I'm going to grow up and create a cult and kill everybody. I think that the reason why he did it was because first of all, he clung to religion. And second of all, I think that he wanted to belong and he had finally built an empire where he belonged. And, um, then he started taking a bunch of drugs and letting the ego carry him away. Yeah. And I, I think that the the paranoid delusions did run away with them. And I think he did believe that. Again, a lot of the parents that killed their kids didn't want to kill their kids. They wanted the kids to live. He said, no, they can't live. And like a, a eight-month-old baby is not a threat to him. That's not a witness. You right. know, there's no reason to kill him. Yeah, at some point it defies all rational explanation, right? At some point this is just a crazy motherfucker doing crazy motherfucker shit. You know what I mean? Um, Which was probably the point around 1961 when he said the world was going to end um, in 67. So, <laughs> right. I'm telling you, never give a date. QAnon, everybody, you guys need to fucking <laughs> learn to quit giving dates. You, you know, know? I, I think that's when that started. Yeah, it was, uh, you know, that's when he was really crazy. But, you know, other people in his life, um, just kind of throughout the years, he made a lot of friends in a lot of high places. And some of the stuff that they had said about him was that, you know, he, he was an atheist. He, wow. was, he, was, he was a devout atheist. He did not believe in the, and he said that he told people that the Bible is fake and the Bible is just you. I mean, he talked about King James and how King James rewrote the Bible in order to control people. And, you know, I mean, who would know better than a cult leader, you know, a fucking <laughs> pot meets the kettle, you know? And, um, you know he, he but he he preached that he said that the bible's fake um god and heaven and hell aren't what you think it is um you know it's this instead of that and a lot of people clung to those ideas they love they love those ideas again let me reiterate a lot of the shit that jim jones preached in his early days was actually pretty fucking solid mm. and you know as weird as that is to admit it's true um you know but he yeah he was he was a devout atheist he thought that you know and he also thought that he could then use religion to control people but his point of using religion to control people was driven by the need to be a communist which is weird well because he experienced income disparity like uh you know as a youth growing up so he yeah. wanted i i didn't think of more as a communist i thought of him more as a socialist but like yeah basically you know anti-capitalism it's because he grew up poor yeah so he wants to redistribute the wealth he wants to fucking create a level playing field for everybody and that's gonna create you know that can sometimes be seen as communism and we were at war with the communists not necessarily because of their ideology because of just what you know everyone thinks that like oh it was this great battle between you know capitalism and communism and it, it was to a certain extent but it was also mostly just about the united states versus the russians it was it was about land masses and people and two armies and two forces you know what i mean just like you would have uh you know i don't know the phoenicians versus the Assyrians or something back in the day just like you would have two any two landmass armies at each other's throats that's all it was it wasn't necessary it wasn't about capitalism versus communism it was about you know side a versus side b and when you started preaching about the socialist utopia 
you get seen as a communism and the government gets afraid that you're working with that other government, that you're working with the Russians. It's not that like capitalism inherently fears the power of communism and they're trying to keep it. They're trying to suppress this ideology. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the, with the geopolitics. It has to do with the fucking Russians, you know, invading the U S and finding sympathizers here stateside that could potentially feed them information or sabotage public works and stuff. Um, so I get why he wanted socialism or communism or however you want to fucking label it because he grew up poor in rural America, right? And he had a bone to pick with the establishment. That's why he was able to mobilize all these, you know, uh, the, the different groups and the different races and stuff. That's why he was able to build his army. You don't get to have a thousand followers with all that money and all that land by being a complete lunatic. You got to have your shit together on some level. I mean, the two, two of us could barely keep a podcast going every fucking week. This guy bought land in South America and built a built his own city. Think about how, think about how type A you have to be to get that shit happening, right? We can't even get our asses decrypted bash in a regular fucking fashion, right? <laughs> so like, he obviously you you talk about him being crazy, and i look at the way it ended. I mean, he went off the rails at some point, but on another level, he really had his shit together. And he really knew how to fucking get people working together towards a common goal. And he really knew how to fucking stretch a buck and make, you know, and, and, and do all this stuff. Well, not really. So um, when they died, all of the assets were supposed to go to R- Russia. Right. Um, Which wasn't so, going to okay, happen. So, and he had, cour- he had couriers like delivering cash and shit, too. Those yeah. people all got arrested, which I thought was kind of bullshit, did. but whatever. They did. Yeah. Um, at, well, I mean, okay, so it is fine. Uh, let, me, let me just say this because there's going to be people. Socialism and communism are not the same thing. And in his later years, he was very actively a communist. Mm-hmm. And so, and, and their goal was to um, team up with Russia and, and, and hopefully go live there. Maybe not live there, but like, I don't know, have some type of out, like allyship with Russia, um, which is why they talked a lot about um, Russia helping them and stepping in because they had killed this U.S. congressman. Um, you know, they, they loved Russia. They thought that was great. Um, so they, you know, he was, he was very much about that life. Um, and again, all the money was supposed to go to Russia when they died. Um, the assets equaled $42 million in today's money. That's a lot. Yeah. It was like 10 million and something back then. Now with inflation, it's like four, it's four, over 42 million. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, because all these people are giving everything to him. I mean, you know, again, he was a very popular guy. Um, <laughs> people liked him a lot. Uh, you know, he, he knew how to talk to people. That's for sure. So what was really funny was that again, like I said, there was all this talk about Russia. I mean, that was always the plan was that the, you know, people were miserable in Jonestown, and they wanted to leave because of the harsh working conditions and they barely had any food and you know they i mean they were struggling there but you know jim jones kept kind of promising that russia was going to step in and help take care of them and um you know what was hilarious was that at the end of the day after all this happened russia like denounced all them and was like fuck them fuck the jonestown people <laughs> they did publicly right. well them. they're they're playing chess with america they're not gonna get distracted by this goofball with his 10 million dollars but what's interesting is that the exact system that he was rallying against the kind that keeps money from the people and doesn't distribute wealth evenly he was hoarding wealth himself right that's why people are inherently flawed that's that's the problem with stuff like socialism and communism where you know you talk about these utopian societies where everything's kind of shared equally amongst the people amongst people you forget the people inherently flawed and people are greedy and they're gonna 
you know, fucking hoard food rations and shit like that. It's just kind of the way people are wired. And right. the the thing that what he was what he was complaining about happening with the upper class, you know, not being uh, not sharing with the middle and lower class and all this stuff. He did himself. He did that. You're ten million dollars and you got people starving. You have a thousand people under your under your charge. Yeah. You got ten million dollars in the bank and there's and anybody is hungry. Yeah. How, how the fuck is that possible? Because you're not taking. Because you're hoarding wealth and you're not taking care of people and you're treating people like a labor force. Right. And it was on purpose. I mean, he was wearing the people down to make them vulnerable still, to keep them vulnerable. Um, 68% of of those uh, 909 people were black. Yeah. I mean, it's... That's some powerful I mean, magic to get black people following a white man in the woods and have him work the fucking land like that. that he shit was don't... saying in the death tape, he was like pointing out, he was like, well, who... He's like, how many people left? He's like asking. And he was like, yeah. And how many of them were white? Oh, yeah. They were all white people. See? You see? You know? And he was like to the very end, like fucking shitting on white people, which I mean, good for him. But like also, you know, he killed a lot of people. So um, the Jonestown Massacre was the um, largest uh, loss of casualties in America yeah. until until 9-11. Correct. Yeah. Um, you know, no, I don't think there's been one person who has single-handedly killed that many people never thought of it like that that's pretty impressive body count it it is insane how many people died that day Mm. um you know even like the heaven's gate people like we did you know we talked about them there was like what 25 yeah i you know i still wear that shirt what if they were right and uh i was wearing it last weekend and i got stopped and had a conversation with somebody about it they thought it was absolutely hysterical (laughs) <laughs> i'm like you yeah. never know maybe they were yeah. you know and they were a little bit different i mean you know but but if you look at like the similarities between those two Third was gender and sexuality and this seemed to be race oriented yeah but you right. you, you got to find something to galvanize the people you know you're preying on a particular trait of that individual and using it you know right um, something that's not that's being either like ignored or just marginalized by mainstream society. And that's why, you know, Hey, you know, people want to complain about how, like, you know, why, why do we see so much uh, queer representation in media when such a small percentage of the population is actually queer themselves? Cause it's important and it stops people from joining fucking cults. You know what I mean? Why, why is it important that we, we see, uh, you know, black faces on TV and in, on movies, you know, why do we need, to have a black superman movie you know because this shit's important and it stops people from doing right. Jonestown shit you know those people matter too i mean they're people Everybody. yeah you know and uh yeah i mean i i agree i agree with that part you know the the weird thing about it is that like jim jones didn't discriminate uh against gay people but he did discriminate against people having sex but not because like he hated sex or whatever it's because like that was time that you could be using putting time into the church so. yeah that's where these guys all get it wrong if pat started his cult it would be a lot different pat's you guys cult, aren't talking enough right uh, i mean pat's cult will be just a, a bunch of it won't be like that trust me when i when my when my cult finally goes live you guys don't have to worry about that jesus <laughs> i promise you that i mean yeah i mean that's you got you know uh if you're gonna have a cult why not have fun with it you know i'm just saying um 
cults are interesting they all they all have this main theme you know so far this is technically the third episode on cults um i did one with ivy i think it was the third episode ever of the podcast and it was just in general about cults and we actually kind of started applying cults to um pop culture and um you know how fandoms could technically be considered cults and things like that but we didn't really oh, yeah. kind of generalized about them um you know we didn't actually deep dive so much into too many i think we did one cult i can't i can't remember the name of the cult oh my gosh but and it was a cult don't get me wrong but they weren't bad people they weren't bad people they weren't fucking drinking the kool-aid and stuff they were actually good fucking people that actually wanted to do good fucking things with the world and everybody shit all over them because they were a cult so and i can't remember his name netflix did a whole thing about it <laughs> anyway and we did too um but you know cults aren't always necessarily a bad thing and cults can kind of hide in different um areas that you don't really understand or see tribalism is very real um you know so there's a there's a gray area between uh some of these things but uh you know you got to be careful and you got to continue to think for yourself listen if it doesn't sound right um then you should probably get the fuck out then you know don't wait don't be like hey if that one thing didn't sound right that one time no you should leave otherwise you might uh end up in the jungle drinking flavor aid notice how flavor aid like went under after all that you know oh it's still around anyone that tells you who you can and can't fuck is inherently evil be they spouse oh. parents whatever anybody right <laughs> spouses <laughs> they start telling you you can't fuck people it's right like, fucking red go. flag right there hey now <laughs> this about what do you mean <laughs> i mean i can only fuck you what the fuck is that so what are you jim jones is this control <laughs> this all right well, I'm, I'm putting the padlock on the fridge <laughs> oh my god well you know pat if that's how you handle your relationship um i agree though i think I, that is a good standard if, if 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 somebody starts controlling your sex life yeah it's a problem yeah if they just start telling you you can't talk uh so that my my final thought because i know you're about to ask me for it yeah. um i want to preach a movie uh that i saw immediately upon release that is actually about the jonestown massacre 2013's the sacrament have you seen this i'm not it's a found footage movie directed by ty west who everyone loves again now because he just did x that movie that came out but uh he's had some good movies over the years um he had uh i don't know the house of the devil the innkeepers um and then yeah x just, just came out and actually the trailer if you're listening to the this on the day that uh, this podcast drops on wednesday the trailer for his new movie is, is being released too it's a prequel to x but in 2013 came out with a movie called the sacrament it's a found footage thing about two vice reporters one of them played by joe swanberg my old buddy from columbia college film school uh that go to a um some location to to get one of their family members out of this cult and you see the uh jonestown massacre unfold through found footage and it's funny because the one of the vice photographers uh videographers that survives hides underneath the bed and it, as a as a nod to the chick that actually survived the whole thing by falling asleep underneath the bed so uh it's worth checking out the sacrament 2013 i'm sure it's pretty easy to find produced by eli roth written and directed by ty west 
Star. Oh, I'm surprised I've never heard of this. Yeah, well, you were probably fucking nine when it came out or something. Like, I don't know, you're little. <laughs> I just separated from my husband in 2013. Thank you. Okay, so you were 12. I was a full adult. <laughs> Making real life adult decisions. I had a three-year-old. Um, wow. You know, at the time. But uh, no, that's uh, okay. I'm definitely going to check that out. And uh, yeah, you know, I was going to um, try to do some editing magic. I don't really edit these episodes a lot. But, you know, I was going to add some of the some of the death tape stuff. But like I said, after listening to it, it's just so fucking sad. And yeah. I love gory shit. I love that shit. Yeah. Um, but it, you know, it's hard and it's hard enough and I didn't want to do that to everybody. So I'm not going to do that. Um, if you want to hear it all, you can, again, it's not terrible. You don't hear the people dying. That's good. But, uh, you know, just to put the disclosure in there, you don't hear anybody die, but you know, you do hear everything leading up to it and all the protests and, and things like that. And you kind of hear the, um, the reasoning, how they're kind of trying to talk through it and, and stuff. So it's interesting if you have a strong enough stomach. And like I said, if you want to ruin your whole entire fucking day. <laughs> so, check that out. Check out that mixtape, the Jonestown. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's terrible. Um, but yeah, what a sad story. But I'm really glad we covered it again. This was the first time I'd ever deep dive into this um, and really understood, you know, kind of um, all of it. Check out everything out there. There is so much out there about it. You could just fucking spend an entire weekend binging Jonestown shit. Uh, Jim Jones before he even got to Jonestown. I mean, that yeah. guy. He, there's a story there before you even get to the Kool-Aid part. So. There is. And like I said, we downplayed it a lot. I mean, and that's just because, like I said, for the sake of kind of keeping it on track and not making it confusing. Um, you know, he, he did a lot. I think we kind of talked about how i think we talked about the last episode how there are people that can do really amazing things but then do also really unfortunate things and jim jones is that character you know at one point in time i mean somebody likened him to martin luther king jr wow Be- i mean because that tweet didn't age well <laughs> no it didn't <laughs> and it did not you know but he was i mean all this money and things he was collecting he would he would have you know he would give it back into the community for a very long time and who knows what the fuck happened you know who knows um and now of course was he doing it all to stroke his own ego yeah probably he probably found out he got attention that way and he started it was probably selfish from the get-go i can almost guarantee you that but he did do a lot of good for those communities and then he killed 918 people so. Had a lot of good ideas just kind of went about it the wrong way the execution wasn't very good mm. see what i did there the execution sure baby. all right well on that note pato didn't like my joke so i'm gonna go um <laughs> cry about it um we'll see you guys back here next wednesday